All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Michael Neal. He is a former NFL player who won a Super Bowl championship with the Green Bay Packers. He is a dedicated fitness guy. He is a strong mindset guy. You will hear a lot of great parallels between somebody who sticks out not only as a professional athlete, but as somebody who becomes a champion among other competitors and other alphas. And there's ways that he does that with a lot of habits and positive mindset and good perspective and a hard work ethic. And he takes that and he parlays that into what he's doing now as a CEO of real estate and first and 10 properties. He's doing real estate investing with nobody down strategies, creative finance strategies, wholesaling, uh, wholetailing. He's doing um, some, some lease option stuff. He's working in multiple markets. He's, he's getting into lending stuff. He's partnering. I'll talk at the end about some credit repair stuff. So he's all over, but he's crushing it. He's killing it. You guys will see in the show links, all the ways to follow him on social media and to connect with him. And especially on his Instagram, you will be impressed every single day. The guy's hitting the gym. Jack Diesel just killing it with whatever he's doing, whether it's real estate, fitness, health. I've heard him on other podcasts. He's got a great perspective, cares about his family, does things for the right reasons, has a great why, and just an inspirational guy. So uh, I, I feel very grateful to be able to have spent an hour with him and talk with him and become friendly with him. And we've met at some masterminds and shared some stuff. And the guy's just always inspiring and really just listening to this more than once has given me a kick in the butt. And just uh, I love seeing guys that are just motivators like that and just use that as fuel to really just keep pushing themselves and, and and driving themselves and just taking things to another level and just striving to be the best. So it has motivated me to do the same, really try and make sure I'm maximizing my day. So it gave me the kick in the butt that I needed. So thank you, Michael Neal. I hope you guys really appreciate it. And again, we give a lot of shout outs to guys like Chris Kelly, uh, Lee Kearney, Michael Seidel, Jason Howell, great guys, great people, all smart people that have helped me along the way too and become good friends as well as great, um, great people to bounce business ideas off of and just uh, help you rise to another level. So thank you for everybody. Thank you for Michael coming on. And as usual, if you'd like to connect with me, please connect with me on social media and please subscribe to this podcast from nicknicknick.com slash links for all the ways to connect with us and the show. Please like, subscribe, share, as well as the fact that if you were looking to get some real estate money for your deals, you need some funding, whether you're new, experienced, looking for fix and flips, looking for HELOCs, looking for multifamily, whatever it is, Hit Marriott up at Nationwide Business Capital Group. You will see under nickandnick.com slash links. Under affiliates, you can click on that and email her directly. Tell Marianne the A-Game podcast sent you over and she will roll out the red carpet. That is where everything starts. We will figure out from there. Even if you don't have great credit, you don't have money to put down, you don't have any experience, it does not matter. We can find a way to get you into a property, get you funded, and then I can help find that property to fit your funding. So definitely hit me up as well if you want to start the conversation, if you want to buy properties from me, if you want to sell properties to me, or if you would like to partner on some deals, nicknicknick.com slash links is all the ways to get a hold of me. Nicknicknick.com is our website. You can direct message me through any of them. And if you'd like to be a guest in this podcast, you'd like me to have guests in your podcast, you can email me podcast at nicknicknick.com as well. So multiple ways, there's no excuse for you to not reach out and try and start a conversation to figure out if you want to get involved. A lot of people that I've been talking to lately, I've been helping get into small to mid-sized multifamily properties and small to mid-sized mobile home parks. So even if you're a single family investor and you don't think you can invest in commercial, you would be surprised at some of the deals we can get you into. So Let's definitely start that conversation. Don't make this uh, something that you shy away from. Let's make it big. I have more deals coming up every single day now. Things are heating up and I want to help you get some properties on your books. And last but certainly not least, please 
Check out nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for a free checklist on how to bring more value to your buyers. If you are a real estate agent or a real estate wholesaler, this is a free resource for you to help separate yourself from the pack and uh, bring a little bit more value to the people that you're selling properties to or finding properties for. So I appreciate Michael Neal. I appreciate everybody in my circle. Thank you. I missed again the Thursday episode, but I, I got a bunch of them lined up. We got some great guests as usual. Please let me know anything I can do if you have... Um, questions or topics you want me to cover, jump on our Facebook group. You can see the link on nicknicknick.com slash links for our Facebook group or shoot me an email or message me on any of the social media platforms. Let's get it going. Have a great Monday. Thank you, Michael Neal. Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna. Digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. My guest today on the A-Game podcast is a native of Indiana. He was a college player at Purdue who had two majors while he played. Second round draft pick into the NFL and a seven-year vet with the Green Bay Packers as well as a Super Bowl winner. He is also a real estate agent at First and Ten Homes, a real estate investor, a full-time dad of three, and a model American. Thank you for being on the A-Game podcast and welcome, Mr. Michael Neal. Thank you, Nick, man. I truly appreciate that intro. That's probably one of the best intros that I've had. <laughs> I've been in the podcast game, man. So, no, I truly appreciate it, man. And I, I thank you very much for having me on the show. And, uh, you know, like I said before, we can just add value to the show, bring whatever people want to hear, uh, just add value to people's lives. That's what I'm here to do, man. I'm here to inspire and motivate. And if my story inspires somebody to go out and be great, that's the only thing I can ask for. Awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you coming on. I think you you check a lot of boxes for people. And that's where, like, before we started recording, I always tell people, like, wherever it goes, it goes. I think the natural conversation of where things come up is always good. But I've heard you speak in person. I've been in masterminds with you. I've heard you on other podcasts. And the directions it goes are always different. But everything you say is always insightful for what you're talking about. And one of the things I really liked that you said was you said you go through experiences in life not necessarily for you, but for other people. And I think that that's important. Some of the things that you say about health or fitness or mindset or business or athletics, you know, whatever your outcome with it was good or bad, like getting that story out on a podcast like this today, I think that that's a beautiful part of, of the, the place we're at in life with technology because social media can be a tool or a weapon and it can be used for negativity and poison or it could be used for positivity and sharing those experiences. And I think just the way that you articulate things comes across very sincere and very genuine. And every time I've talked to you in person, I've always felt like you were looking at me, you were listening to me, like you were very engaged in whoever you're talking with. And I feel like it's the same thing when I hear you talk on shows or as a keynote speaker, you never seem like you're there for, for yourself, which I think really comes off in a great, great presence. Has that been something that you had to work on or has that just been, and I know you're, you're uh, very proud of your mom. You say a lot of great stuff about her. I'm sure she's very proud of you, but is that something that maybe you learn through family values or something you just learn through experience and being the public eye? 
You know what the crazy thing? It's a combination of all those things. Um, since you referenced my mom, I'll go there first. And my mom has always been a person of understanding, right? I think that if you can understand people, it helps you limit the judgment. I think that in today's generation, too many people get caught up on judging people, right? We look at people and before we even have a chance to meet them, open up our mouths, greet them, understand exactly what they've been through. We've already put them through this pre-screen where we've judged them and put them in a category. And for me, everybody has a different story. So I can't judge you. I'm not, in my opinion, I'm no better than the next person. You know, I'm no better than uh, whoever it is. And for me to take that mask off people and understand exactly where they're coming from is a big thing for me. Um, and another thing that you said, too, that I want to hit on is that I, I look at this as I go through things in life. And honestly, those things have inspired other people to become great at what they do. And once I start realizing that everything that I did meant a whole hell of a lot more to me. Um, Kobe Bryant, he's I got six screens in my office and he's on the background of all of them. And I think about Kobe, <laughs> he is my absolute number one role model. And I think that when people when Kobe passed what did he leave behind him? He left a fortune, but it was a legacy. It was a legacy of what he did for people, how he helped people, how his actions motivated people. Everybody start hashtagging Mamba mentality. He created a mentality to be a better person for himself. And in turn, that helped a multitude of people. And I think that if we always focus on being able to better ourselves, the things that we can do for this generation of people, the things that we can do for other people, it speaks volumes because people truly, sincerely watch your actions versus your words. I can tell you one thing and step off this podcast and do a complete other one. Then you're going to be looking at me like, okay, well, this dude is really full of shit, honestly, at the end of the day. But you will step off this podcast and be like, okay, he really lives exactly what the hell he said. And that's because that's who I am. I didn't create a persona or uh beside myself you know what i'm saying like this is really truly genuinely who i am and how i live my life and i grew up with a real religious background i'm a christian i shouldn't say religious i grew up with a christian background and i've always told people this jesus lived on earth for 33 years as a servant he did nothing but give to other people one of the greatest men that walked greatest men that walked on earth and if you believe that wholeheartedly then you understand that your job on this earth honestly is just to give to other people if i can't give to you how the hell can I expect to receive anything in return? But also, where am I looking to receive these things? Is it from a person or do I just understand the concept of my good deeds will result in everything that I want if I just continue to do those good deeds? So for me, everything that I do, I do it with a passion because I know that there's somebody else watching me. I have children. They watch everything that I do. My son literally just walked down the stairs before we got on this podcast and said, Dad, I did like 100 push-ups last night. I met with my financial advisors. There's a treadmill in the room. He's running on it. Well, he understands daddy has big muscles. Okay, well, I want to get big muscles like you. But now it's just like, okay, do you know why I have big muscles? He understands it. He understands it from daddy had to do what he had to do to get to us here. And the result of that is how he looks. So for me, it's just, I have to set that example because if I don't, I've wasted my son's life. You know what I'm saying? He, the only example that he's going to have aside of social media, like you saying, is me. So let him watch me. Let him understand what this is about. And he'll take it and do whatever the hell he want with it. Like you said, he'll do good. He'll do bad. But that's his choice. And I'll leave that choice to him. The only thing I know, live right. Do right by him and give him the best chance to be able to do that when he gets older. So, yeah, man, I love it, though, man. That's just, that's just who I am. I think that's awesome, man. You know, it's, it's funny. I was just having this conversation yesterday. I had a guy, Gary Tonin, who's a, a big jiu-jitsu and MMA guy. And he was talking about how when he was younger, 
he always just assumed because he watched like all these stupid Disney movies. He's like, yeah, you know, I just figured whatever I got into, I was just going to be great at it because the shows that I watch, like, oh, the guy wants to be a skateboarder. He finds a magic skateboard in the in the garbage and it just becomes awesome. He's like, and then I started wondering, like, why was I not amazing at everything I started? And then he started looking around the people that he was around every day that were doing the things that were champions, that were professionals. And he was going, oh, they show up every day early. They stay late, like they're consistent. They don't make excuses. The reason I'm not getting the results is because I'm not doing any of those things. And why would I think I was going to get any of that? And I think, again, everybody sees, you know, the Super Bowl rings and the muscles and the notoriety and the real estate wins, but they don't like they tend to, to gloss over the fact that you're posting those every single day. Like the consistency of, of being there and doing that is really, really what it is, is just showing up every day. Do you think that that was something that you learn that you bought into business and life through athletics or was that something that you had that helped you adapt to athletics so so naturally i got two answers for that personally that's just how i am i am through and through a competitor a hundred percent for me everything is a competition now some people say that's a good thing that's a bad thing <laughs> um but it's a competition to me right so couple instances, I walk into the NFL locker room, there's Clay Matthews, Charles Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Nick Collins. There's so many people I played with, Tremont Williams. I had the opportunity to play with Julius Peppers. And I'm looking at these people. You can even get into an NFL locker room and see that there's one percenters of one percenters. There's people that do it and then they achieve that higher level of success. And there's people that's okay with being mediocre. I never was okay with being mediocre. I'm like, if everybody else can do it, that's easy, but I don't want to do what everybody else do. I want to be better than everybody else. So in order for me to be better than everybody else, I have to find the people that are better than everybody else and mimic what they do. Like I, once again, Kobe Bryant, I played basketball a lot when I was a child. My dad would have a fit because he was the master of recording everything. I would take his VHSs that literally had like our kid birthday parties and I would record Kobe Bryant's whole basketball games on them. I learned how to set a recorder and watch those games over and over and over again. Like my brother always tells me, there go that Kobe shot. Like when I shoot a basketball, I was like, it looks exactly like Kobe Bryant. I watched him so much that I started mimicking everything that he did, his behaviors, his work ethic, the way that he talked, the way that he moved his body, the way that he talked with his hands. Like I started watching these people so closely that I started doing it. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, one of my, another one of my favorite people. I used to watch WWE every Thursday, SmackDown, and watch The Rock come out there. I'm like, I want to get big muscles. But the fact that I watched him every single day made me go into the gym and work a whole hell of a lot harder. When I was in high school, there were people that had scholarships. They would come back in the weight room. I'm a sophomore, these college dudes, and I was pissed that they would lift more weights than me. So what would that in turn make me do? Make me lift a whole hell of a lot harder. You saw the things that I've accomplished in life or the things that I've remembered myself after has always been somebody that was very successful. And the thing that I tell people all the time, it's funny, I even posted this on my social media. When I was in third grade, we had D.A.R.E. programs. And they was talking about dare to get kids off drugs. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I never do drugs. I don't give a shit about those. But honestly, at the end of the day, what I took from that was, was dare to be different. Dare to be different than everybody else. Everybody else, where I grew up from, doing drugs is just a common thing. Well, you don't want to do that because you're never going to make it out of this if you don't do that. You know, so I was always in tune with just being able to do what I wanted to take the hard path. I know it sounds kind of ridiculous. Most people don't like that, but I knew that the harder path would lead me down a greater path and it's the road less traveled. How many people, you know, go and look at it and like, well, I could take this route and get there. Or I could take that route and get there. The hard route teaches you 
So much more. I think that you learn, you know, the character, you build a character, you build a foundation, you build that thing. So when you get knocked back down, when you get knocked down, you have the ability to get back up. And if you build that base, that foundation, you understand being knocked down and you understand that every time you get knocked down and you get back up, you've made a stronger person, you've built a stronger character, it becomes a repetitious thing. And once you create that repetition, it becomes a habit. And once you create that habit, now that's who you are. And that's exactly how I started my life off. Literally, since I was born, I just created habit after habit after habit, and it became good ones. Now, on the flip side of that, if you don't have that, can you create that? Yes. I often post repetition as a father of learning. What you do on a repeated basis over and over again, whether it's good or bad, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, you are creating a habit. So now you have to be able to take the ability to sit back and look and go, what habits am I creating? The product of my life that I have right now is the shit that I literally habitually did over and over and over and over again. And a lot of people can't actually take a hard look in the mirror and have accountability for their actions. They want to blame everybody else, but everything begins and ends with you. And that's why it's always me versus me. People laugh, but the thing is, is that if I can create a better me, if I can go in on myself, if the true competition is me better in myself, then I create those habits because I want to be better than the Michael yesterday. I want to be stronger than the Michael yesterday. I want to be smarter than the Michael yesterday. I'm one of those people that I'm just not content with absolutely anything. If I don't know it, I'm going to read it. If I can't lift it, I'm going to find a way to lift it. I'm going to find a way to surmount absolutely everything because I just feel like this. If this man over here can do it, what's my excuse for not doing it? Jason Howe showed up to the weight room the other day ago. He wanted to get a lift in. I'm like, okay, Jason, let's do this. The cool thing about that was he's sitting down. Now, here's a man with nine kids that drove an hour and 30 minutes at 3.30 in the morning that's going through architecture school that has literally built a fortune in real estate and is starting a mortgage company, but he's back in school. Like, And I'm looking at him going, so what the hell is my excuse for not picking up a real estate book and being better? He has nine kids, I have three. He's driving an hour and 30 minutes to commit to the gym because he wants to be a better person. And the one thing that he told me when he walked out is, if I say I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. That right there inspired the living hell out of me. And I'm like, that, that, once again, there's a person that I look up to. I don't care if he didn't play in the NFL. I don't care if he didn't accumulate millions. He's doing something that I'm not doing that's got him to the position that he's at. So guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna mimic it and then I'm gonna take it times 10 because if I wanna get to where he is, I'm going to have to go above and beyond what he did. So that's just how I live my life, man, on a day-to-day basis. And I think that anybody can create those habits as long as they're willing to sacrifice because it's going to take hard work. It's not going to be easy. You're not going to want to do it. You're going to have days where you just like, the hell with this. Like, there's days I want to give up, but I never let that thing surmount over me for 24 hours. I give myself a 24-hour window. I'm going to feel absolutely everything, absorb that emotion, and I'm going to turn that into fuel, and then the next day I'm going to go attack it. So... That's just how I operate, man. That's a great answer, man. A shout out to Jason Howell, Lee Kearney, and Mike Seidel, and Chris Kelly, and all those guys, too, that are part of that. Uh, Jason Howell is a really smart guy. I got to get him on here, too. But I think one of the things you touched on there that I find fascinating, especially about guys like you, is you're, you seem to always be a student. You obviously have, you know, you've had so many accomplishments. You, you've hit the, the peaks of so many different things. You could be very alpha and very egotistical if you chose to be, but you seem to be more of a sponge, which I find is um, 
I don't want to say rare, but it, it kind of is rare. People tend to just want to say like, I know it all. And then to start over and then be, you know, what I refer to constantly as a white belt in something new, when you've been so successful in something else, a lot of people don't do well with being on top and then starting at the bottom. It's, it's uncomfortable. And I think that says a lot about you. And, and literally the same conversation I had about this other guy yesterday, going from jujitsu to MMA and knowing how long that climb was to get back to the top and being willing to do it again says a lot about a character. And I feel like that's going to take you very far in life. Is that something that you have to battle with sometimes to, to be a student, be open-minded and kind of start from scratch again? Cause it's not easy. Yeah, no, it's not. And I can tell you when I first got into real estate and I got my real estate license, I'm like, I'm going to run a game up. I'm going to make a whole lot of money. And I struggled very, very hard uh, because I was at the top and I wasn't used for, I wasn't used to asking people, you know, can I help you? Can I give you service or knocking on somebody's door or picking up the phone and then trying to sell something? This is completely different. I'm used to people coming at me, trying to sell me stuff. Now I'm trying <laughs> to sell somebody else something. And I struggled at it and I hated it. It was days where I wouldn't even sleep because I'm like, what am I going to do? I don't have any skills in this area. You know, what the hell do I do now? Then I got into the investment side. It's like, okay, well, this might be a little bit easier, but still now I'm starting at the bottom. Funny thing about Lee is I knew Lee five years ago now. And the first time I met him, I'm like, I want to be you and I want to sit in your seat. He showed me everything that he did. He told me if I could help him bring deals, he will close them. I would bring Lee deal after deal. He will tell me no, no. No, no. And I started getting pissed. I'm like, okay, so what is it that I have to do to bring you a deal? And every time, so I just like, you know what, skip Lee. I'll figure this thing out on my own. But once again, I still followed everything that he did to the point where I followed some of his mentors. And I got in some of the mentorships that he probably went through. If he didn't, he consulted with these people. And that's the thing that kind of kicked the door open for me. I was able to follow his, his footsteps and do those same things. But a guy told me, he was a player personnel director of Green Bay. He left shortly after I left Green Bay, got another job. He was a player for Green Bay for 13 years and then a player personnel director for another 13 years. And I sat down and I told him the same thing. I'm like, man, I got my real estate license. I'm going to run a game up. I'm going to make this amount of money. The man looked at me and told me slow nickels are better than fast dimes. And he also told me, what makes you think that you was able to go? Well, he let me rephrase this. He said, it took you from the time you were probably, when did you start playing football? I said high school. It took you four years in high school, five years in the pros, 13 surgeries, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, a lot of blood, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, a lot of sacrifice, moments where you wanted to quit, you was outworked. It took you 13 years to accumulate that peak in football. What makes you think that it won't take you 13 years in real estate? And once he said that to me, I started looking at this as, okay, this is definitely gonna be a turtle's race. But the thing is, is that if I just find one thing to win in every single day and I create those habits now in 365 days, I've won a year and those years start to accumulate. So now you start looking at the accumulation. Okay, I've started here. Look where I am now. And I think that people get so caught up at the end that they don't understand to enjoy the process. When you win a Super Bowl, that starts in training camp. That is like 30 something weeks before that happens. You got six weeks of training camp. You have a whole season. You have the postseason. Then you have to get to that game. But you know what everybody talks about when you win the Super Bowl. It wasn't the moment that you won it. It's that 
You remember when we played Chicago to get into the playoffs and Aaron threw a Hail Mary and Randall caught it and we won that game? Or do you remember when we went to double overtime in the playoffs and we was about to lose and then we had to win that game? Or do you remember when you came around the corner and you sacked that quarterback? Or do you remember? That's the only thing that you think about. So what does that tell you? People are very in tune with the process. They understand the process and they look at the. That's what got them to where they at. They're more they're happier with the process than they are with the end result. So you have to be addicted to the process. The only way you get the end result is to be addicted to the process. So enjoy the heartache, enjoy the pain, enjoy the sacrifice, because ultimately when you get to the top, if you like me, okay, well, where do I go now? I gotta keep going up and you never really get satisfied. So just enjoy the process because that's where everything happens. And, and that's just what I've started to fall in love with, just the process. I think that that's really interesting. And especially one of the things that I definitely want to ask you about some of my, my friends that have accomplished things. I find it in business over and over again, but like, let's like UFC, for example, you know, guys work their whole life. You know, it's like, Hey, I, you know, I, I want to be a pro. And then you're a pro. It's like, well, I want to win. Now I want to knock out. Now I want to be undefeated. Now I want to be a champion. Now I want to be in the UFC. Now I'm a UFC champion. And then a lot of the times when you achieve that goal, you buy that multi-unit, you make that first million, you win that Super Bowl ring there's a sense of like, I achieved it, but then there's immediately from a lot of people, I hear a sense of like disappointment and like confusion and loss, not loss, but being lost of a feeling of kind of like I did it. And now what? And just a little bit of loneliness and sadness coming from that achievement. How did you feel after that? Obviously I'm sure you were happy you got it, but what was it like looking at the next step? Did you feel some of that sadness and like disarray? Man, I, I can tell you the funny thing about that is, is, First and foremost, let me reference the book Winning uh, by Tim Glover. If you ever read that book, he talks about and he defines winning and what is winning. It's unforgiving. It's not guaranteed. You can work your ass off every single day and not accomplish it. It's something that doesn't care about you winning today. You can win the Super Bowl, but tomorrow you're not a Super Bowl champion because somebody's going to try to come dethrone you. So what is winning and how you define winning? It's all based on the individual. But for me, you win the Super Bowl, what's next? I want to be the number one sack leader in, in NFL history. Okay, what's next? I want to make $100 million. Okay, what's next? There's always a what's next. Winners don't look at that. Winners go, okay, like Michael Jordan, I won, I need to win again. I won, I need to win again. He won three times. Okay, the hell with that. Let me go play baseball. He played baseball <laughs> because it made his dad happy. Okay, I'm not really that great at that, but I did it. Let me go back and win again. Then after he won three more titles, he left. Now let me become an owner of an NFL team. He did, I mean, an NBA team. He did that. There's never a satisfaction with winning. So the thing about that is, is that you have to understand. That's what I'm saying. If you get it in tune with the process, winning is just, that's just a part of it. Like you buy that first, that uh, multi-unit. That's just a part of it. Okay, I got one, let me get two. Then I get two, let me get three. We get three. Okay, well, let me buy the Sears Tower. What the heck? What, what's stopping you from doing? Like, seriously, like, what's stopping you from the next thing? So, for me, I know where I want to go. Okay, when I built this, what do I want to do next? There's always this mountain to climb. For me, it didn't matter. When I left the NFL, it took me a while to figure out what I wanted to do, but I'm like, okay, I made millions there. I can go make millions somewhere else. Let me find out how to do that. Real estate. Okay, cool. Real estate. What do you do now? Go take the course. Okay. People are like, well, it could take you a month. The hell with that. Is there a fast course? You could do it in seven days. Cool. Guess what I did? I took the seven day course. Okay. What's next? I had to drive an hour every single day to my course. So it's never an end for me. I took the 63 hour course in one week. Got that. What's next? There's never to me an ending to it because you always just, I'm always in that go, 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 go move. Let me win. People ask me, okay, are you about to do a bodybuilding competition? I never lifted to do a bodybuilding competition, but now that somebody brought it to my attention, 
why the hell not? I'll go win one of those. And then after I win one of those, what's next? There's never a satisfaction point to me. And the one thing that I, I literally, when I was 11 years old, my mom probably got a picture of this. I laid in my bed over the course of maybe like a couple months, I just started scratching words into my bed frame. Like what a night. <laughs> and those words ended up saying, I'm satisfied with never being satisfied. And it was a real deep statement. And my mom goes, well, damn. And I'm like, well, the thing about that is, is that I'm I'm very content and satisfied with never being satisfied because I know that nothing's ever going to satisfy me. And I'm okay with that. And as long as you're okay with that, there's never a ceiling to anything. So you don't look at that one moment like, okay, I'm done. No, there's something more. I got to go get it. And that's just how I view it. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesaling, fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I love that, man. And I'm, I'm always interested in your beliefs and your confidence too, because doing something like saying, I want to be in the NFL, you know, a lot of people grow up saying that, but they don't follow that through. And part of the reason they don't is because of all the other people in their life telling them the percentages of how, how low the chances of them actually getting there and steering them on the quote unquote safer path and really stealing that dream from them. How much of having the people around you be supportive of you going there was re, helped you result in being successful in that? And then fast forward that, were you getting a lot of resistance or support when you decided, okay, I'm getting out of the NFL now, but I'm going to go into real estate because I've had the same thing when I talk to some of my buddies that are in fighting or different sports that they go, I mean, and they've been very successful in fighting or whatever they do. And then they go, I'm going to go do real estate. And the same people go, oh, it's a scam. You can't do that. It's too competitive. You're not going to make any money. And they were like, man, you were the same person telling me I wasn't going to make it in this other thing. And they call me for tickets. So what was it like going into the NFL with the support around you? And then what was it like getting into real estate after that? Um, Fun fact for me, I really never gave a shit about getting drafted to the NFL. <laughs> no, I'm being dead serious. And people are like, seriously? And I'm like, no, nah, dude, I just, I, I literally, that was never the end all be all for me. My brother plays for the Seahawks and his love for football is much, much deeper than mine. And our courses to the NFL was much different. I was a second round draft pick. He was undrafted free agent. He had to work twice as hard. That's not saying that I didn't. I had a lot of guy given ability, but I had a very bomb ass work ethic because I was never really, you know, better than everybody. And I think that fact in itself is the reason why I was able to make it to the NFL. But for me, um, even at advisor council, I talked about the why and it being much deeper than the why. Um, to me, I wanted to go to college. Like when I started realizing I can go to college, like, hey, okay, cool, I'm gonna go to college. Then when I started realizing that nobody in my immediate family graduated from college, okay, now I want to get a college degree because nobody's done that. Then when I got to college, I looked at the opportunity as this. Vision is crazy. I knew that if I got to college, I would just go to the NFL. There was never if and a but about it for me. It was never like, okay, you're not going to do this. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to go to the NFL. People are like, what if you don't make it? Well, I got two degrees. See, I've always had a fallback. And my thing is, it's like, I'm going to accomplish it just because I'm going to do it. And when I went to college, that was that was my mindset. <clears throat> but I think that 
right before I went to college, those last two years was very pivotal for me because my grandmother had got really sick um, and she passed away. Then my mom was really sick with cancer. She was kind of pretty much like on her deathbed. And to me, it became, okay, now I need this. Now I'm hungry. And if I can just touch the NFL, I can heal my mom. I can heal my grandmother. It was never about me making money for myself. And I think that's why I accomplished it because to me, that why was much deeper. And I told you, I'm a Christian person. And I think that God really examines people's heart. And he knew that the money didn't matter to me as much as my parents, my grandmother, and my mother being healed, in my opinion. I'm like, I can afford the best doctors. That's the only thing that I really focused on. And because that why was so deep and strong, there was nothing you could do to break me because I'm like, I'm not going to let them die. Unfortunately, my grandmother passed, but I was like, I'm not going to do this. And then when I made the money and my mom was better, well, she was still sick. And I'm like, okay, now I got to take the burden off her having bills. I, she can't, she don't need to stress. Now there's still four more kids at home. I got younger brothers. They couldn't afford clothes. They couldn't afford. So now it becomes, okay, now I have to be able to make enough money to give them stuff so they can make it about it to hold the thing in. And it was never really about me. And I can tell you, Nick, that when I was in the NFL, it was probably one of the worst experiences I've ever had in my life. I mean, from the standpoint of making money, it's cool. But the pressure, the injuries, the pain, the depression, the, the corner that you get boxed in, the people that really don't give a shit about, you know, there's family members calling you for money. I mean, I remember I had surgery. The day I had surgery, I literally opened up my eyes an hour later. You know, one of my uncles called me and asked me for some money. I'm like, you know, I had surgery. Just call me back tomorrow. The dude called me back the next morning. He never once asked me how I felt. And to me, that's when I started really realizing that the money didn't change me. It changed everybody around me. Now, my internal family, my immediate family, my mom, my dad, and all my brothers, they were there, they were watching. And that support in itself, even if they never really verbally communicated that to me, the fact that I knew that they was depending on me or watching me and I wanted to do this because I wanted to give them an out was so strong for me that I wasn't gonna lose. So that was very easy for me to overcome those injuries. And like, you know, I told a couple of people, my last three years in the NFL was very hard for me. I literally would probably go into the bathroom two or three, um, hours before the game and I would just cry my eyes out because I could barely walk and I'm like how the hell am I gonna get through this game I can't even walk like I can't bend down I, I can't cough I had a bilateral sports hernia a bad hip and I would still go out and play every single snap balls to the wall because it's all I knew but I had people that depended on me so my why carried me through that but my character the, the stuff that the character that I built through all of that let me know that okay now when I leave this game and I get into real estate I know that even if I fail, I'm gonna win. And to me, there's no failing, there's a, just a lesson. There's no loss, there's a lesson. Okay, you don't go this route, go this route. Okay, you didn't do good at that. You didn't, you know, choose this route. And that's how I looked at absolutely everything. And the support from that was good. The naysayers, they never really bothered me. That was just motivation. Because if anybody knows me, the one thing about me is if you say something, my whole goal in life is if you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to make you eat every fucking last syllable of that word. I'm telling you, that's like, that drives me. And I'm going to watch you eat it because I'm going to make sure that you don't like it. I'm going to make sure that you yak up your own words. At the end of the day, if you hate me, I'm going to make sure that I made that hate even deeper. So that's, that's, that's motivation for me. I love it. I want you to hate me. I want you to tell me I can't do it because I work better under pressure. All you're doing is actually making me better. So I love that. I mean, that's just that's just part of it. You know, some people can't handle it, but for me, please do. I encourage you because now now I got something to prove to you. That's awesome, man. I'm very sorry for the loss of your grandma. You know, I'm glad your mom was doing better. Yeah, and I appreciate that, man. Seriously.
you um you know you, you talk about the why, and I think that's such a huge thing because I, I've heard you talk about how I think you said your dad didn't make more than like twenty five thousand dollars a year, you know, and I can relate to a lot of that of growing up. I didn't know anybody who made money and I didn't know anybody who knew anybody that didn't live paycheck to paycheck. So if you would have told me then that I'd be like clearing six figures in like, you know, three weeks on, I would have never, it wouldn't have been part of my belief system. But, you know, again, my back was against the wall and I was forced to get into one deal and then it starts to grow. And I think, like you said, when you get put in that position that you, you really have to push with your why, all those preconceived notions and beliefs and internal insecurities, they'll go away if your why is big enough. So, you know, talking about whys, why did you choose real estate? What was it about it that attracted you to it in the life after football? Um, you know, I think that there's this real big stigmatism with athletes that when we leave the game, well, for us NFL athletes, uh, at three and a quarter years, most of us leave broken, divorced. And that's 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 like an 80%, I think. It might be a little bit higher now. I think it's like 80% and three and a quarter leave broken, divorced. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to leave broke. And I'm probably never going to get married because I don't want to get divorced. <laughs> uh, but that's just how I thought about it at the time. But, um, you know, for me, like you, you touched on living a paycheck to paycheck thing. And, and I felt that wholeheartedly. Like, I, and that's just, that's kind of one of the things that I didn't want to do. And I figured, okay, if I can take the assets that I've gained and put that into something to create a passive income. So now my money is making money. I'll be better off. And honestly, I got into real estate by learning credit. Um, when I left, I started reading all these books on credit. Now I love to read. I'll just sit and read. Like literally, I read 30 books in one month. And people were like, what? <laughs> like I just was blasting through them because I'm like, damn. And then I start habit. I read one. Okay, let me read another one. Let me read another one. So I just start going crazy. But I've really learned about credit and the power of credit and how a dollar if you use certain credit cards can leverage you and gain points. So then I start getting really fascinated because I'm like, okay, I pay my mortgage, I pay my bills. Why not let those accumulate points? And I like to travel. So then I got this big old family. So let me not worry about spending money on traveling, but it wasn't like, let me go buy up as much as I can just to get points. But it was like, how can I leverage a dollar to get these points? So I started really learning, okay, money can make you more money, even if it's not in the form of a dollar, it's in the form of points to a credit card. And then I start realizing that people were doing this passive income thing with real estate. You know, I'm like, okay, well, they're using their money, they're parking it here, and it's making them money, and now they're able to go buy more assets, or now they're able to live without having to pay their own mortgage. So then I start reading books about literally just buying, you know, rental properties. And that's kind of what put me into the real estate game, because I'm like, okay, if I can park my money somewhere and it pays my mortgage, that's one less thing I have to worry about. So now I don't have to spend my nest egg that I got from the NFL. I can just let those assets make me money. But now how the hell do you do this? So now you start reading books and then you start meeting people. A couple of my NFL buddies, I got into it and they're like, listen, Mike, you got money invested. You can make, you know, crazy returns on your money. Vincent Jackson, God rest his soul, was one of those people. Um, Desmond Moses, he was one of my teammates for a long time. He had got his realtor license and he was doing really, really well. So I reached out to both of them. They told me like, listen, go to real estate school just so you can understand it. The realtor that sold me my house, I reached out to him and I started asking him about it. And that's pretty much what led me into real estate. And I'm like, okay, well, let me learn how to invest money to make money. And if I can do that, then the money that I have, I can live forever. But I just knew being a smart person that it doesn't matter how many millions you have, if you're constantly spending and you're not putting it back, you're going to lose it. So that was kind of like my entryway to real estate, but I enjoy it too. Now, is it hard as shit? And yeah, there's days I still want to quit. But at the end of the day, for me, I'm not a quitter. So it pisses me off even more just thinking about quitting than it is not being successful. So, uh, you know, I'll never quit. I'll keep going after it, man. You know, that 
I think is so interesting because I always thought that there was going to be a time that I was like, it's great. You know, like no matter how much money, no matter how every day at a different part of my day, I am happier than I've ever been that I've been in real estate. And 30 minutes later, I'm like, man, working at Walmart, maybe that's the way I should have, you know, like, so that internal battle, but I feel like maybe that's just an entrepreneur thing. But what I think again is as much as people want to listen to podcasts like this and they want, Hey man, give me the ABCs, give me the nuts and bolts of how to analyze deals. Like to me, you can read that stuff. You can buy an Excel sheet. You can look at a free calculator online. It's this stuff that makes all the difference. And this is the stuff that new people don't want to hear. But I think learning the mental side of when you do feel overwhelmed, when you do feel like you want to quit, when you are having those shit days of those bad deals or those bad conversations and things are falling apart, what do you tell yourself to pick it back up and go the next day? Because that's really all it is. It's just to keep showing up and showing up and showing up and showing up. Like, you know, I got my black belt in jujitsu by getting my ass beat for 15 years. You know what I mean? Like, and that's what I remember. It's just showing up the next day and saying, I'm not going to let that happen again. So being a guy who is so mentally tough and so strong-minded, when you are having trouble being positive and optimistic or having bad days, what kind of self-talk, what type of things do you do to pattern interrupt and to keep yourself going or to get yourself out of those funks? Well, I think first and foremost, like I told you, I hate to, I hate to even think about quitting. Quitting makes me sick to my stomach. And the moment that I feel like I'm quitting, then I start going harder because I'm like, you're not a quitter. So why the hell are you thinking like this? Uh, that's one thing. But, you know, life goes in circular motions, Nick, and, and life goes in seasons and shit's supposed to get hard. You know, <laughs> I tell people like people love, you know, just use a rainbow. People love rainbows. How the hell do you get a rainbow? Rain. It has to rain. Rainstorms are terrible. Thunderstorms are terrible. Lightning, it's terrible. You don't like it. You can't drive in it. You don't want to walk in it. It shuts your damn power off in your house. But honestly, at the end of the day, when it stops raining, you go outside, damn, there's a double rainbow. Now you're taking pictures of it. You're happy. That storm didn't mean shit because now look at what you have. And like I, I had this realization I was driving down the street in Bruce B. Downs in, in uh, Wesley Chapel one day, and it was like thundering and lightning and it's going crazy. And I'm like, damn. So I'm stuck in my car. Then literally like 15 minutes, it went away. Going to Walgreens, come back out, it's pouring rain. And I'm like, shit, drive down the street, get back to my condo, it's gone. And literally, it was like God was teaching me a lesson. When it rains, to us, it seems like a lifetime. It sucks. But to God, it's like that. He'll make it rain, and then he'll bring you the sunshine right after that. So my thing is, is when you feel like you're at your toughest, when it's raining, it's pouring, and you don't want to deal with it, and it's depressing, hey, at the end of the day, he created umbrellas. Pop that shit open, keep damn walking, walk through the rain, because the only way you're going to get to the other side and get that rainbow is you got to go through the rain. You can't go around it. There's nowhere to go. you just stuck in it. Open up the umbrella, understand that all that shit falls off on the side. You can remain dry and keep walking straight. And that's literally the analogy that I tell myself every single time. If it wasn't hard, it wouldn't work. And that's just what it is. You're not going to get anything without some type of sacrifice, without some type of pain, without something just feeling like the worst possible thing in the world. It just doesn't happen that way. Just know when shit hits the fan, you're going on the right track. It's stupid, but it's completely, it's obvious through absolutely everything you go through. You had to go through getting your ass kicked to get your jujitsu belt. We had to go through 11 injuries, 11 stars out to win the Super Bowl. I had to go through 13 surgeries just to accumulate wealth in football. I had to be rejected. I had to go through so much pain and suffering, but at the end of the day, look what happened. You know, so you just have to understand that when when it gets hard, you're in the right spot. And I find so much comfort in that. I'm like, 
if it's not hard, I'm panicking. Like I'm looking for some shit to happen. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so, and that's just literally how I see it, man. So, but it's good stuff, man. I, that's just pretty much what I tell myself on a day-to-day basis. Dude, you have such a, a calming perspective. I love it, man. It's, it's very refreshing to hear. I like it. Man, I appreciate it. It don't feel like that on the inside because I'm a monster on the inside. But you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I've learned to really calm the hell down and just look at the bright side of stuff. That's awesome, man. You know, it's um on the, on the real estate side with that, talk a little bit about First and 10 and what you're doing on that side. And then I definitely want to hear what you're doing on the investment side. For First and 10 and investment side, I got into investments with uh, creative finance. And so creative financing was a way that I learned how to get into real estate just to be able to make that passive income with no money down. I didn't want to spend a lot of money because I was living off my assets at the time. So I figured that that would be the best route for me to go was just to be able to, how can I get into this without spending that much money, but create, you know, some type of cash flow and immediate wealth. So I learned to create a financing route and that's how pretty much how I got into it. Uh, but now we're kind of going back to the model, just being around lead for as long as possible is accumulate capital, accumulate capital. If it's quick flips, wholesaling, or if it's wholesaling, that's primarily all I'm focused on. The creative financing comes through those type of deals. You'll look and say, okay, there's more than one way to actually buy this house. But if it's something that can cash flow me right away, the sellers are able to let me sell or finance this or at least option it. I'll go that route, but primarily right now is just to be over, be able to overturn cash right away. So <clears throat> we primarily focusing on wholesaling right now. And if we get the opportunity to go in there and do some lipstick paint, sticking on MLS, you know, that's what we do. And those type of deals are very lucrative. I mean, the first one that I did, we made $79,000 and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But <laughs> I, <laughs> I literally didn't, but Lee walked me through it. Chris Kelly helped, helped me through it too. And uh, it was a deal that we got done and it was really, really fast. I mean, we went in the property, got it over, got it flipped in about 10 days, posted it on like the 12th day. And literally we had that thing on the contract on before 14 days. So, um, and we made that big ass profit on it. So it was pretty cool, but that's primarily what we focus on. And um, I'm building out a small team because for me, I love it. I love the data. I love the numbers, but what you and I doing right now, being able to speak to people, be able to, you know, network and be able to market, to be able to just be around bigger investors and be able to bring those type of, that type of capital to be able to work with other people. That's the end all be all for me. Uh, but to have that company and be very successful and have people that actually love to run those things day to day and uh, love that job and have realtors work under me is pretty much primarily what my focus is right now. That's awesome, man. So talk a little bit about the deal and how that kind of got broken in. So how did you, how did you find that lead? What are some ways you're marketing for leads and how did you find that specific deal? You know what? I did a little bit of Facebook marketing for a while. I got really, really good. I met an investor by the name of Nate Armstrong. I took a course on Sure, his, I know Nate. Yep. So we took a course on his social media blueprint, learned about running ads. Uh, we were running ads uh, in the area, just real like blind, blind ads. It wasn't nothing very lucrative to entice people, but it was more so, hey, look, we know that you have a situation. If you have a situation, please reach out to us. And the lady reached out to us. Um, that ad had only been running for about three weeks. And it ended up being a probate. The husband died. She didn't want the house. She wanted out. She's like, listen, I really don't care. I just need to net this amount of money. I just need this because this helped me start my new life. Lo and behold, she gave me the property at 140. It was worth about 220 at the time. And so when I actually got it, I locked it up on a lease option. And I'm like, man. So when I walked it, I'm like, okay, this property needs a little bit more work than what you know it, it, it looks. So <clears throat> I actually took pictures of it and I had the pictures and I called Lee. I'm like, what would you do with this? So he was like, judging by these pictures, you'd probably be about 10K in. He was like, what type of deal is it? I told him this is the lease option. He's like, you should really consider like just flipping this. He was like, because 
He was like, let me see the contract. Well, I had 90 days of prepayments before I could find a tenant buyer to come live in the property. He's like, I tell you what, put 10K into it, list it on the internet, ask her if she would take a um, reduction in price and see if you can get that thing done. I said, okay. So then I sent it to Chris. I let Chris give me a repair estimate. He said anywhere between 13 and 15. So after he came back to me, I knew a contractor, went back and asked the contractor. He was like, yeah, I can get this done in about seven days. I said, cool. So I literally had a credit card. They have a limit on it. I just was like, man, do what you got to do. And he was true to his word, gave me good ass repair estimate sheet, went through there, got it done in seven days. And then we listed it. Then after that, it was right around when COVID was hitting. People was like buying up everything. We listed it at 220 and got an offer at 235. And that's what we ended up closing at. So um, it was cool, man. So it all started with that, that Facebook marketing. And, uh, you know, just having mentors and having teachers and educators that can point you in the right direction, it just guides you through the process. And uh, that's exactly how it, it went down. So it was 79K on the back end of that deal. So it was cool. Congrats, man. That's outstanding. And I, I love that you, you reached out to your resources because I paid for mentors for years and years and years. And there was a lot of times that I made bad mistakes because I wasn't willing to call and use the resources I had. So you calling Lee and calling Chris, I mean, like, that's it's so smart, you know, and even me. Being a mentor, there's so many times that students, I'll follow up with them and they, they take a beating on a deal. And I'm like, why didn't you call me? And like, I didn't want to bother you. I'm like, but you, that's kind of what this was. Like, I I could have helped you with one phone call. I can't undo this hole you dug. So, man, I, I think that that says a lot about you. And I, I have worked some stuff with Nate, so that's cool. And Facebook marketing is great, man. You know, I know it's it's switching a little bit now over the last month after the last iOS update. But, man, the I haven't been getting as many leads from it. But the leads that I get are freaking juicy, man. Like, it's a great advertising spot. Yeah, no, absolutely. We love it, man. I, I ran them for a while. I stopped them. I kind of went to more of a seller direct method, um, which we still get tons of leads off of those, uh, quick wholesale type deals off those. But at some point in time, we might go back to the Facebook marketing. Why shut it down if it's working? I mean, we've done literally, I think I did six creative financing deals in like three months, made like 150 grand. Like it was crazy. And then with the flip added on top of it. But um, just when COVID hit, it was just easier to do the more to sell it direct because people was at home bored. Then you just had all yeah. BS people clicking on the ads and people writing bad comments on it and I just shut it down. I'm like, I don't have to deal with that. And we just went more seller direct, but the Facebook ads was definitely a good way to go. Nice, man. And then on the, uh, on the creative finance stuff, what are you, are you holding them or are you structuring them and then selling them off with the creative financing in place? So we hold them. I think if there's a, a chance for us to be able to make about 200, $300 uh, mailbox money on them, we'll hold them. Um, right away, what I was going to was lease options because I was trying to do it with no money down which it worked for for a little while, but when the market started getting real tight and people start realizing that they can make money off their properties, when the money down came down a little bit, you know, we started drying up capital because I was using my own money out of my pockets um, and just for my business. So that's kind of why we went to the wholesaling, but uh, we did I, subject to uh, taking over people's mortgage. So if we get a really distressed seller that just want to get out of the house, sometimes they just want to get out of it. They don't even, they don't want any money. It's like, listen, just take it. I got somewhere to go. I just don't want to make the payments on it. Uh, subject to is how we found a couple of our deals. Uh, owner finance, and we did an owner finance deal. The owner, the owner finance deal turned into a wholesale where we made like $50,000. So it was crazy. We tried to owner finance it to a guy 
couldn't do it. It was a real sticky situation. Title company fixed it. We was able to wholesale it to them and everybody was happy. Um, and then lease options. We had three of those lease option deals out there. Uh, and those are the ones that was real lucrative for us. People that just understand cash flow. And the good thing about that is too, we were targeting assets over $400,000. So all of our deals were assets that was over $400,000. And I found that for me, that was a sweet spot because people with that type of money understand what money does. You know, if they can still make money off their property and you can make a little bit of money, they were fine with it. They like, as long as I don't have to make a double payment, I already got a house, I'm cool with that. So we would just pretty much uh, lease option them or owner financing from the seller, give us 90 days to find a tenant buyer, screen a tenant buyer, make sure that they viable people to put in the property. Then we would pass literally every single responsibility over them. We have no landlord responsibilities there to take care of everything from HOAs, lawn services to absolutely everything. So it's like a situation as to where we now become the bank. You don't call the bank to come plumb your toilet. We're not doing that. This is your house. You park your down payment here. We take about 10% on all the assets. And then we just create a buffer to where we can make that three, you know, two to $300 a month, sometimes more than that. But um, yeah, I like those deals, but you just better make sure you got good contracts because you get into situations just like with everybody else. They think, oh, I'm not going to pay my mortgage this month. But, you know, having people like Lee um, and good attorneys definitely help keep you in the right spot so you can keep that cash flowing, you know, so. Yeah, if you're in Florida, that's where you call Jason Howell to help with contracts. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Jason's a beast with it, dude. He can talk over your head about it. I'm like, Jason, listen, I still, <laughs> my mind still thinks about tackling quarterbacks, dude. You got to break this down and dumb it down to me a little bit. The, the legalities of it is not my specialty, but I do like to learn it. So just being able to sit down and talk to him about it is cool. Nice, man. I'm, I'm also interested as far as like a competitive mindset because you're, you're in and around the Tampa market. And I know uh, like three to five, powerhouses that are all you know and like the old me and i still go day to day with it but like i'll hear somebody else like a lee or like a Raphael vargas or a domar and and these guys are like we're in tampa and i'm like well there can't be that many deals but they're all making millions of dollars so going in there you know i just had this conversation with casey ryan who's doing like two million a year in vegas and when you talk to people overall that are interested in real estate the two places most of them say right off the bat is hey i'd love to invest in florida or I'd like to invest in like Arizona or Vegas or really the three big things. And then the average person goes, there's no deals. It's too competitive. It's too late. And I've been hearing that about all of those markets every year for the last 15 years. So you're going in, you're getting flips, you're getting wholesales, you're getting creative finance. Was there any insecurities or fear about getting into a market after hearing how competitive the Florida market is? Nah, I don't really worry about competition because there's a seller for everybody. I mean, you got to think, even though there's competition, there's people spitting out stuff and there's people that got proven processes, people like people and people will go with the people that they like. So it's kind of a volume game. You just got to be able to get enough people on the phone and then let these people choose. And for me, who cares about the competition? Like, I don't need much. And we are in different markets. We're not just stuck here in Tampa. I do go into uh, Indiana, uh, Kansas. I go where I know people that actually do real estate. Well, I got realtors too, so that can have boots on around automatically. So I'm not just blindly picking the market. I go where I know I got a lot of support, people who want to see me win, people I want to see win, uh, and just dip into those markets too. But for the Tampa market, who cares about the Rafael Vargas? I mean, he, he's become a shit show, not to say. <laughs> Um, and, you know, Lee, of course, but everybody has their niche. Like Lee's niche is not my niche. You know, Lee doesn't really, he's made a lot of money doing something too, but he's found his, his market to where he can get these people that need to sell right away and close on those deals. Nobody does it better than him. 
Chris Kelly, he knows how he knows his target market. He knows what he needs to capitalize on to get those flips. That's where he's, you know, made his money at. And the rest of the people are just still fishing for the same thing, all in the same markets. But it's all about being able to get on the phone, the follow-ups, building rapport, talking to people, and then just not being scared to go for every type of asset. I just had a conversation with Lee yesterday, literally on a four-hour car ride about just the type of assets that you targeted and why would you limit yourself to this when there's that and just understanding how that game works. But I think the competition doesn't matter if you're steered by the right people. Um, and they will tell you how to find the deals and exactly how to get them. People like Lee, very selfless. He's going to tell you his process. And even if, even if it doesn't work for you, the way that he has it streamlined can be very, very, you know, good for your business. It can help your business move extremely fast. And, um, you know, he's been very, very influential for me. And he's like, listen, let's get you deals. And those type of people that like to uh like to watch you win, they always win. And that's why his business has been successful because he never holds anything back. And you only can get blessed if you're a blessing to others. And I appreciate that. I love that, man. And then on the, being that we are in a great market to listings on the MLS, are you converting a lot of those leads that might not be as motivated to be creative with the terms of the cash into an actual listing? Yep. So it's, just, it's very, very easy. A lot of sellers are looking to get that full market value. So the thing about that is, is that you know, we grade the properties. If they're, you can even list the property as is without even having to do a creative financing deal because a lot of those people still, we only grade them on a scale of one to five. If you're three, you literally a tweener. You can probably get it listed as is and make the amount of money that you need. Or, you know, we can probably buy it with cash and do some type of creative financing deal. But mostly it's just having a good team of realtors too. So if I if there's a person that my cold caller probably calls out and they're like, hey, listen, I want to get fair market value. I'm not negotiable. This is what I want. And my thing is, you know what? Well, we can get you that set an appointment. Send a realtor out there. The realtor goes out there with the cash offer. Well, look, we can get this deal done for you in seven days, whatever the case may be. If you take this amount of cash, no, I don't want that. Okay, well, listen, this is the way that we can get you to net exactly what you want by doing it like this and then having to listen agreement with them. And you just got to have good people that build great rapport that people can trust. And, you know, I've got those type of people that they can go right into the house and be like, listen, we can do it for cash, my investor buyer right now, or we can just list it for you. I mean, well, I need to net X amount of money. And I don't pay realtor commission. Well, the good thing about that is, is we built that all in. So you still net what you want to net. You walk away with what you want to walk away with. And then most of the times in this market, um, you don't want to do FHA and VA financing because that's just, that takes people out of the picture. So we always tell our people, like, listen, we go on cash and conventional. We can close these in 20 to 21 days. If it's cash, same, conventional, same. And it just makes it so we can get the deals done. So that's just my method of doing it right now. But still, you know me, I'm trying to find a better way. <laughs> I love that, man. You know, I think it all comes full circle, whether it's winning a Super Bowl or having a multi-million dollar real estate business. It's having a good team and, and utilizing that team the right way and having just key players. You can't do anything on your own, it only goes so far. So I think you've done great with all areas of your life and surrounding yourself with the right people and really attaching to that and digging in and focusing is important. Right, oh, absolutely. I mean, you have to, I don't think that people really understand that. Most people get to real estate. I don't want to split profit. I don't want to pay for this. I don't want to pay for that. My thing is, is I'll split any deal 50-50. What's better, $5 or no dollars? I mean, I don't give a shit. Money is money at the end of the day. Guess what? You accumulate enough $5, you're going to have $100. $100 turn into... So people just get real selfish and it's like they want everything for themselves. Like, no, if you want to partner in a deal, if I can, listen, if you help me, I'll give you 50% of the deal. People, some people are like, man, I'll, yeah, I'll do the deal. Some people are like, you don't even have to give me that. 
No, you get paid for your time because your time is valuable to me. And you have to have the right amount, the right type of people around you. You know, I always use the Super Bowl scenarios of Tom Brady. Tom Brady cannot hike himself the ball. He can't throw himself the ball. He can't kick a fucking field goal. He can't drop back and throw a pass if he didn't have an offensive line, didn't have receivers. You have to have a team. Tom Brady is great, but he's great at inspiring these people to be great. So you just have to have a team that's willing to be inspired by you as a leader to be able to work on your behalf for one common goal to get one common thing accomplished. That's the winning Super Bowl, whether it's cashing in on one of those humongous multifamily buildings or if it's catching the game winning touchdown. I don't give a shit, but you just have to have the right people in the right place at the right time. And as long as you got a team, you can accomplish anything. There's a me and team. So if you're a selfish person, there's always about you, but you actually help your team perform better. And you always got to keep that thing first. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught Tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833 632 0585 for your free online drum lesson. I think those are wise words, man. I know you've been very generous with your time. So I, I like to, to close the victory lap and kind of nail down a few final questions here. What's a, what's a book you like? One of the books, actually, I could just tell you the current book that I'm reading right now. And I think that's very, very, um, it's good for this message. It's Profit First. I'm reading that book, Profit First. The guy's first name is Mike. I forgot his last name. Um, but it tells you, it breaks the stigmatism. I don't like to do everything the same way everybody else does. Most people think of sales minus expenses equals profit. In this book, he explains it, sales minus profit equals expenses. And I think that if you do that, you'll set yourself off to building a foundation in your business to where you're always profitable and you're not, expend you're not spending too much money into your business. So that's one of my favorite books. Winning by Tim Glover is one of my favorite books. Uh, the Motivation Myth. I've always touched on this book and then Relentless. Those are like some of my top, well, I got a list of them. I can check <laughs> The Four Agreements, man, by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz. That's yes. one of my favorite books. And he has a series of them. I read all of those books. But those are some of my favorite because I think that it helps you and capture everything. Relentless teaches you what it takes to be a relentless competitor. The Motivation Myth lets you know that success equals motivation, not motivation equals success. People has it back, have it, ha they have it backwards. Um, and that series by Don Miguel Ruiz, it really lets you understand yourself. You understand the Bible. You understand that, you know, everything that you've done, you've been domesticated into believing certain things. You're the only person that can change that belief. It teaches you how to deal with other people. You know, if you can't control yourself, you lose pretty much. So there's just a good series of books that I like to read. But right now I'm currently reading Profit First. And I think that for my business, that's very pivotal in our business to be able to be able to stay profitable. So uh, that's just a few. Nice, man. Those are good, those are good picks. Yeah. Um, next question is, knowing what you know now about life and business, what advice would you give a younger Mike Neal today? Uh, don't be arrogant. Don't be prideful. 
be humble and get a mentor and get somebody that you can trust, get somebody that can have a value add to you and you can have a value add to them. And I always like to use Lee because he's probably one of the biggest influencers right now in my business. He wanted to get healthy. He started coming to the weight room. He started seeing gains. And then in turn, he gets to mentor me outside of the mentorship every single day in the weight room. And he he brings me to everything. And, and I really, really value that, man. I've developed a good friendship with him. So always have a value add and get a uh, mentor. Awesome, man. You know, and this wasn't initially part of the questions. I, this could probably be a, another hour podcast, but uh-huh. how important is diet and mental and physical health and exercise to being successful and having a healthy business? I will tell you that the way that I see it personally is health as well. Um, and I talked about this on one of my IG lives the other day or reels or whatever they are. Um, <laughs> it's like buying a car. You buy a brand new car and you go put unleaded fuel on it. But right in the instruction manual, it tells you you need to put premium gas in it for it to run at its optimal. You put the unleaded gas, you get on the highway, that car starts jerking and starts shaking. And you're like, what the hell is going on with it? And it's not running properly. Well, now you just fucked up your biggest investment. It's the same thing with your body. If you want that vehicle to run optimally at the highest peak, you have to fuel it with the right stuff. I mean, if you want to be successful in business, what beats the competition? These guys out eating donuts, drinking alcohol, doing this, that, and the third. You got to have just a small competitive edge. And if you can give yourself that competitive edge by eating healthy, which keeps a clear mind, drinking enough water, which keeps you actually energized and being able to time your carbs properly, which gives you energy. You know, that stuff is very crucial to you being able to stay in the game. How can some people focus a lot longer than others? Well, I can focus longer than you because I eat better than you. I've trained myself to be able to focus better than you. And I think with the motivation myth and working out, to me, I know one thing that I'm really, really good at is lifting weights. I know what lifting weights does for me. It calms me down. It brings my life in order. I think clear. I think a lot while I'm lifting. I focus on things that I want to get better at. It's not even about me lifting the weights. The stuff that I'm thinking about motivates me to be in the weight room. And now I've created that one win. I've woken up and it gives you positive endorphins. I've woken up. I've beat most people to the weight room. I feel good about myself because I've contributed and invested to myself. Now I want to go home. I eat the proper diet. Now I feel by the time most people roll out of bed, I'm 10 steps ahead of you. So now I've created that competitive edge to help me gain ground. And to me, that's everything. So it's all in one. It's always mind, body, and soul for me. And that's what I've looked at it as. I love that, man. That's a great answer. I thousand percent agree. And every time I get off of that path and I realize when I get myself back on, everything else starts to fall into place. And you brought up a really good thing about a competitive edge. And for me, you know, the average person who doesn't do martial arts and jujitsu on a daily basis, I don't think they understand the difference in the food chain of like, you know, hey, a black belt is a black belt. No, not even close. Like when you look at like me as a black belt versus like, you know, the Matt Serra's of the world and the Chris Wyman's and like, you know, the Conor McGregor's of the world that are really like the high, high, high level of the food chain. And then you look at the UFC and then like the top one or two or three guys in the UFC and, you know, it it comes down to this much and, and there's a lot more that goes into that. Is it the same thing you're seeing in, you know, the locker rooms in football that like, Everybody who's there is great, but there's something that just separates like the food chain there of like top echelon guys and what those guys are doing to separate themselves from each other. Is it is it similar that just the food chain is like to the average person, they can't even comprehend the difference? Yeah, man, it's, it's very much like that. Like, I mean, 
I watched Clay Matthews. He happens to be one of my best friends. Um, he would come into the way. He would come to the locker room. I would get there. I would be there earlier than Clay. I wake up early. <laughs> Clay used to go to sleep late because he'd be stuck on Cali time. But he would come in, and his routine was always on point. The man did the same thing. He went down the hot tub. He took a shower, went to the weight room, worked out, went to the training room, got stretched out, got grassed in, got himself hooked up, got into the cold tub again, changed, went to the doggone lunchroom, ate the same breakfast every single day, went to meetings, drunk like 15 bottles of water, no lie, like every damn meeting. He was always hydrated. But the thing about that is, is we in practice, the dude was never tired. Like how the hell do you go to practice and you just never tired and you just giving it max effort every single rep in practice. Well, he created a habit to keep him successful by doing the exact same thing every single time. There's guys that walk in there with KFC, McDonald's. <laughs> I'm like, like, I'm dead serious, still in the NFL. Oh man, I get the workout in after after practice, half-ass lift weights. There's a separation even at that level where there's guys that still just try to get by doing the same old thing that doesn't work. And then they wonder why they can't be the Clay Matthews of the world. And if you don't adapt that type of that type of character, that type of habit, that type of routine, you'll never succeed. And I watched him do it. I watched Charles Wilson do it. I watched Aaron Rodgers do it. I watched these same people do it. And you know what? Inadvertently, I started doing the same thing. You knew Mike was going to be there at a certain time every single day. And my routine was stuck every single day, the same old thing. But it kept me on the field. Injuries, no injuries. I was always on the field. I love that, man. That's outstanding. And one of the last things I want to touch on is I am blown away. I know your brother played for uh, Seattle, Seattle Seahawks, right? Yep. Dude, I have been all over the country for real estate, for real estate trainings, for real estate deals. I have never been anywhere that a city is obsessed about a team like <laughs> freaking Seattle, dude. It was unreal. Like we went to the restaurants. The staff, the cooks, everybody's coming out underneath their kitchen clothes, underneath their 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 like waiter suits. They have Seahawks stuff. I go to the bank. The guys at the bank, they are like all professional Seahawks stuff underneath. People were spending tons of money to get into these trainings and going, I'm just going to pay today because tomorrow the Seahawks are put like, I've never seen a backing everywhere like that, but it made me get into it. I was like, dude, I hung out. I went to the hotel lobby. I watched the game. We were high-fiving. Like, it was great, man. Is that is that normal? Like, what is it about maybe that town or is that just what I saw for that town? Were you seeing the same things where you played? Like, but there's something about like the city's getting behind the teams that makes you really just get into it. Dude, I can tell you Seattle, there's only a couple, well, there's a lot of teams that's like that. Seattle's definitely one of them. They have a very, very good fan base, a very great following. Those people are very, very much endowed into what goes on in that team. And uh, he loves it. I mean, it's just the support that he gets and he's looking at himself like I'm a no name. And these people are looking at me like I'm somebody that, you know, I'm really not. And I'm like, well, where the heck? because that's, you've earned the right to do that. And it's the same way with Green Bay. The crazy thing is people don't really understand Green Bay only has 110,000 people in it. That stadium packs 80,000 people. They have to shut the whole town down on game day. If we play <laughs> a Thursday night game, the kids don't go to school. They literally, because the teachers are season ticket holders. So the schools are shut down. Like there's people all over the streets, the whole entire town of Green Bay, city of Oshkosh, Ashwaubenon, all that dumb people are at that stadium. It is hundreds of thousands of people. And everywhere you go, go pack, go. I'm t I run into so many Packers people. I'm walking through the hair airport. People got Green Bay signs. It is the support that you get from NFL teams. Green Bay is like that. And Dallas is like that too. Uh, Seahawks is definitely like that. 
Uh, there's very few teams, but there's teams that well, they just have those diehard fans, man. And I'm from Indiana, probably 45 minutes away from Chicago. Those Bears fans in my region are absolutely diehard. I'm like, you guys need to die hard because you guys are terrible, but they don't care. Like, they will have a losing season, but them people still ride for their team. So it's kind of cool having that fan base. And honestly, that type of support, if you really get dialed into it, it means a lot because people don't understand how hard it is. But when you have those diehard fans that really ride for you, they really don't care what the hell you did. They still support you. Uh, that's that, that speaks volumes. So, yeah, we definitely have that. That's cool, man. I like that. Seattle's one of my favorite cities, man. It's a great time. And I'm not far from you for Indiana now in the Chicago suburbs. But, man, you've been awesome with your time. It's a great conversation. How do people find you? How do people work with you if they want to get involved in real estate, buy properties from you, network with you, learn from you? Just talk all things, Mike. Yeah, you know what? Well, obviously, um, you can follow me on Instagram, Michael, is it Michael J. Neal 96 on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, Michael Neal. Um, if you want to talk real estate, I'm always game for it. I've actually developed great relationships with different people, some of the best investors in the United States. Um, I'm partnered up right now with Partner Driven, Peter, Peter Bexelman uh, in the Partner Driven community. If you're looking to buy deals, sell deals, flip deals, we fund 100%. There's education backends. They will set up the whole system for you. All you have to do is reach out to me. And if you have no education at all, you really don't understand what you're doing, we will literally take you by the hand and walk you right through the process. It's a great streamlined process. People are closing deals like crazy. There's hundreds of testimonials all over the internet for that. Um, and that's people that I support wholeheartedly. Like I said, I definitely work with them, partner with them on absolutely all my deals as well. And it works out really, really well for me. Um, also, I have to give a shout out to people if you're looking uh, to actually get financially set. Um, some of my people and some of the clients that I work with, my financial group, I've just literally got okay from them to open it up. They're very, very small, uh, tight-knit group of guys. But I think that people need to understand financial literacy. People need to understand to eliminate debt, but you can eliminate debt by actually using the same cash flow as you have now. Just reach out to me, David Linsky and the uh, Linsky group. They do a really, really good job of that. And if you're ever interested, you want to understand how to avoid taxes the most legal way possible, uh, reach out to me. I do this thing called You Family Banking as well. So there's a bunch of things that I've been uh, had the opportunity to work with some of the people that actually keep my head afloat when I'm actually sinking. So reach out to me on any of those platforms. And if not, if you can't get to me, get to Nick. Nick knows how to get to me. And Nick, like I said before, man, I really, really appreciate it. I watch absolutely everything that you do. You encourage the living shit out of me too, man. I'm inspired by everything that you do. Just even having this podcast set up, that's something that I aspire to do. You do a really, really great job of it. And as always, man, if you need anything from me, please do not ever hesitate. Reach out to me. So. Likewise, man. This was a, a big thrill for me. I've been watching you. And obviously, you inspire me, and it was important for me to get you on. You've always been really nice. You've always been really inspiring, and I think this was a great conversation. So, any final thoughts before I let you go? And by the way, I definitely think you should start your own podcast. 100% you should do that. Yeah, me and my brother have been thinking about doing one together, because I think that that's probably more of his aspiration. But the more and more I do them, the more and more I get addicted to them. Do you have a favorite quote? I don't necessarily have a favorite quote. I like all quotes. Um, I'm pretty much a fan of quotes. I have a ton of them. If I had to pick one, I think that people have a very, um, you know, just misconception of failure. Michael Jordan once said, I fell over and over and over again, and that's why I succeed. And we talked about this throughout this entire podcast. Always be willing to fail because the only way that you learn how to succeed is how many times you fall and how many times you get back up. You have to get back up. You have to fail. And the only way that you accumulate success is through failure. So that's what I want to leave you all with. And like I said, Nick, I appreciate everything.
Definitely, man. Michael Neal, I appreciate it. Have a great day. You definitely bring your A game. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Appreciate it, man.